change any of the scripture. It just gives you the definition. That's why it's in the parentheses here. Blessed, happy. That word blessed is happy to be envied because of the happiness that you have that I'm going to give you. You'll be envied. You'll be spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. Read this with me. You ready? Regardless of your outward conditions. No matter what's happening in my life, no matter what my outward conditions are, it does not affect what's going on in my heart, my mind, my soul. He say amen. No matter what the conditions are, no matter whether, whether I'm blessed over abundantly with materialistic things and I've got plenty of money in the bank and I'm set for life, my children set for life, or if I'm a pauper, I'm a beggar, no matter what the circumstances are, whether good or bad, whether plenty or lack, doesn't change any of that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble who rate themselves insignificant. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll break it down a little further in another commentary of it. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God. And his rule. So we're breaking this word down for us to understand that poor is not lacking or plenty. Poor is a perception and a mindset and a heart, a condition of the heart that says, I don't care what I have out here, I need thee. I need thee. You are blessed. Come and read that with me. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Whether life has brought you to the end of your rope, circumstances have brought you to the end of your rope, whatever has brought you to the end of your rope, or you just live in a continued end of your rope life. Blessed is he. Because with less of you, there's more room for God's rule. Living in a perpetual, continuous, end-of-the-rope deal. I'm not at the end of my rope when life hits me. I'm not at the end of my rope when I don't have anything. I'm at the end of my rope when I'm blessed. Come on, somebody. Are you, are you getting, in modern terms, are you catching what I'm putting down? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, the person that lives in a continual end of his rope. That doesn't mean, oh, poor pitiful me, i got to pray this through. I'll constantly, something's about to take you out, something's about to get you. You go ahead and set your mind straight and get your perception right. I'm at the end of my rope because I can't do nothing. I don't have the ability to do anything. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks about me. David had all the blessings that he had and all the wealth that he had and all the riches that he had and one of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth. And yet he says, I am poor and needy. I need thee. 
I can't live without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't function without you. Amen. I, I, I can't take a step without you. Anybody ever notice when we sing those songs? I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Amen. He's all I need. He's all. You, you, you feel the atmosphere that comes with that. And then the all-time favorite southern gospel song everybody loves. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Not just this mountain's too high, but any mountain that I would try to climb without you is too high. Any valley that I would try to walk through without you is too low. Any river that I would try to go through without you is too wide. I can't do this by myself. 30 years something years in this now. And I knelt down a few Sunday nights ago in brokenness in that same, I said, I have never been able to pastor without you. And I sure can't start now. I have never been able to be a father without you. And I can't start now. I've never been able to be a husband without you. And I can't start now. I've never been able to do what I needed to do without you. And I can't stop, start now. I need thee. I've got to have thee. I cannot live without you. Amen. And, and, and all of a sudden you're realizing, amen, because th watch this, this gets totally contradicting to the self-life, to the self-preservation, to the self-motivation. It gets all of that. But why do you think the enemy is so bombarded that in so many areas, and there's people that can preach that and, and, and use bad language in the same thing, and it almost sounds like preaching. Can you say amen? When you listen to a motivational speaker, they sound like preaching until they cuss. They sound like preaching until they say something that's way off. Why? Are you with me right now? Because, amen, the enemy likes to come in and copy what we are. But it is, it is elevating of the self-life and the self-ability. And the Bible is completely contradicting to that, to the fact that I can't do this by myself. But with you, I can do all things. What was impossible with man is possible with God. And you might have the strength to survive on your own for a space. You may be able to go through some stuff with the mentality of a fight and surviving attitude on your own. But still, amen, somewhere there's going to come the time that you're going to realize how much you need him. And it's better to come to grips with that now than having to have stuff that rips your life apart that lets you know you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as big as you think you are. What is he doing? He, that's why this comes to our life. Failures and frustrations and disappointments and battles and trials is bringing us to the place where there is no possibility of pride. There's no possibility of this self-life. I need thee. 
That's why Jesus hung on the cross. Because he's letting us know that that clip that everybody has shared this week is powerful. Now, if you didn't see it, I, I'll share it with you. Amen. Again, amen. G, when, when we get to realize our number one enemy is who? Ourself. Jesus didn't pray against the devil. He, he, he didn't bind the powers of darkness over the city. Come on, somebody. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that, but that ain't what he did. He prayed over this. In that garden, he wrestled with this. Satan come to this. Satan's only entrance is this. If you get this under control, then Satan has no power. We spend our time praying against the devil, cursing the devil, fighting the devil when we need to look in the mirror and deal with self. It's, it's me, me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's my pride. It's, it's myself. Amen. He didn't pray against that. The only access the devil had to him would be his flesh. Can you say amen? And Jesus said, help me. Amen. Right now, Father, to deal with this. It's not my will, but thy will be done. Are you with me this morning? He says, he says, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. What, what is he fighting here? He's wrestling with himself. And once he conquered himself, everything else was, was, was taken care of. Are you with me? Amen. He didn't, and then you've heard me say this, and I'm going to say it to you again. Amen. Hallelujah. Is he did not crucify the devil. He didn't put the devil on the cross. If, if, if he could have done that and would have solved the problem, he would have put the devil on the cross. Amen. But he didn't do that because, amen, the devil don't have the power, the ability to do that. He only has the power, ability to, to, to come after this flesh. Amen. So who did he put on the cross? Who did he allow to be beat? Who did he allow to be, be, to be torn? Amen. Who did he allow to have, have this suffering, this flesh? And he showed us. This is the enemy. This is what has to be crucified. This is what has to be destroyed. I die daily. Amen. And he hung him on the cross. Why? He's showing us the real issue and the real problem here. It's me. And the quicker I come to that, the better off I'm going to be. The better off I'm going to have things in my life taken care of. God, then, then the rest of it, I just walk out. Remember, Jesus said he found no place in me. Satan had, had attacked him and come after him and, and did all that. He said, but he found no place in me. In other words, he found nowhere to put his foot, put his hand. He found nowhere to put he had no, how many say I want to live a life where I can say he had no place in me? He found no place in me. Though he tried, he found no place in me. And Jesus is teaching this from the very first thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed is the man who's at the end of his rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. 
Another commentary breaks it down and says like this, what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. Did you get this? I'm still on revival. This is revival. I've been preaching this and say this, but I'm just breaking it down a little further today. If, if we was in a mess and all this stuff that's going on around our world and World War III broke out yesterday or broke out this week, how many knows our prayer meeting Friday night would have had more people in it? How many knows our prayer meeting last night would have had more in it? How many knows if you found out this week that you have four-stage cancer? How much different would your worship have been this morning? How much more would you have attended prayer meetings this week? How much more prayer would they have been if your only child or your middle child was in a tragic accident? The need creates the emergency and the need creates the prayer. God says, I want you to need me and want me no matter what the conditions are on the outside. I need thee. I can't make it without you. I, I can't do this without you. And so that's what he begins to teach us. What happiness comes to you when you're in spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. The kingdom key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven in my life is my perpetual, ever-dying need of him. Brother Clendenin, I told you the other day, was sitting watching TBN, the Christian networks, and they were talking about my faith got me this, and my faith got me that, and my faith got me a jet airplane. And Brother Clendenin said, I just simply said to the Lord, Lord, why ain't you ever gave me one of those? My faith ain't never got me one of them. I'd like to have a jet airplane where I don't have to stand in line and and have to do all that. I like to just go out there and get on it and just fly and go where I Some of these priests got two of them. And all of a sudden, Brother Clinton said, I just simply asked him. He said, I, I wasn't being rude. He said, I was kind of being a little bit, you know, facetious a little bit between me and him, not toward him, but, you know, just, Lord, why ain't you ever did that for me? He said, and he come back to me serious. He said, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I gave you something better than that, Bert. He said, Lord, what's that? He said, I gave you an ever-dying need of me. The faith you have, and you understand by reading the Scripture and understanding the faith in the Word that you've got and come to grips with is, I give you an ever-dying need of me. Can you shout amen? And all of a sudden you realize when you have those jets, amen, you not only have to pay for the jet, but you have to pay for the fuel that goes in the jet. And by the time you do all that, you could have been way less just to pull a 200-something dollar airfare to go where you needed to go. Can you say amen? But Brother Clinton said, the Lord spoke to him and said, I gave you something greater than that, Bert. He said, what's that, Lord? I gave you an ever-dying need of me. You take those plants from the outside and bring them in. Every plant, 
will begin to grow toward the sunlight. What is that plant saying? You can bring me in here if you want to. You can bring me from the outside of the cold, but I need that sunlight to live. And that plant grows toward the sunlight. You want to know why? That plant is screaming, I need thee! You let it go without rain for very few many weeks, and the ground <laughs> will start to parch, start to crack, and you look at it, and it's almost, our farmers here today would be able to tell, it, it's almost as if the ground is screaming, I need thee! <laughs> That's why there's not many farmers that could be atheists because the entire production of their life screams, I need thee. I can have $400,000 tractor, but if he don't do his part, I can have all the technology, but if he don't do his part, I'm nothing without him. And it's the same way with life in general. If he, if, 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 if he don't help me, at my best, I still need him. Praise God. Hallelujah. I never arrive at a place that I don't need him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you got $500,000 set in the bank. Amen. The kids, amen, stuff took care of. Or you got $5 in the bank and the bills are due and you got $5,000 of bills to pay. It doesn't matter. I need him no matter what. My worship should not determine by my outside conditions. Praise God. You, you, you've been blessed. So you get a $500,000 check, but they come in still praying, still worshiping, still crying. Hey, don't you know you're blessed? You don't need anything? Oh, yes, I do. I have bought me gold tried by fire. I have anointed my eyes with salve, for I see that no matter what conditions I'm in, I'm still poor in spirit. I need thee, oh God. I need thee. My family needs you. My children need you. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Praise God. This morning when I pulled in, Justin and them were getting out of their car. And so I walked over to see little Jameson. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when they sent me the video where he was struggling to breathe, fighting for his little life to breathe. But he ain't in that condition this morning. He was sound asleep. In the circle, I don't need you. But yet I still need thee. Even in the sleep, even though beautiful sleep, I need thee. Circumstances change, but my need for him never changes. Here goes the other one. Blessed, great blessings belong to those who know they are in spiritually in need. God's kingdom belongs to them. Somebody say amen. Great blessings belong to those who know they are in spiritually in need. God's kingdom belongs to them. I need somebody to, Brother Dalton said, yeah. I need somebody to holler, I get it. Anybody getting it? Are y'all getting it? 
I love these lights, but I already was struggling. I, my glasses, I got glasses coming finally. Well, they're coming in for me to try on then, and they're going to send them off and get them. I can't see anyway. He got me in there. I can't. I got to look this late, but I sure can't see back there. With these lights, they twist them, turn them around. Can we give them a hand clap for all that? But a flat shore can't see y'all now. It's all a haze out there. Ooh, the Shekinah glory is here this morning. I can't see nothing but a haze. They turned them so they're not right on you, but yet you still can't see. I need thee. Are you getting it? Great blessings belong to those who what? Say that word with me. What? No. Come to the realization. Some of you hear me teach and feel convicted on Sunday morning. Say, oh, help me, Lord. And then that's it. You come back the next Sunday and get you another dose. But it ain't happening on Monday. It ain't happening on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I know. Blessed are they. Great blessings belong to those who what? I could stop here and break down the word No. No means to be saturated. Matter of fact, one of the root words of no is the same thing as taking a sponge. You ever washed a car with a sponge? You throw the, you dry, you, you squeeze all the water out of the sponge. You throw that sponge on top of the water. What does it do? It floats. The, the sponge floats on the top of the bucket of water. You know why? Amen. Because it's, it's, it's on the water, but it's not in the water, and the water's not in it. But when you take that sponge and you put it down in there, if, if you just put it down there, it'll pop back up to the top. But if you squeeze it and then let it suck up all that water, it'll float to the bottom now, or uh, almost to the bottom. Why? It's because now it's completely uh, saturated with the water. The water now has gained access to inside the sponge and the sponge. So the root, one of the root words for no is, is the same thing for submerged and saturated. Amen. Going down like a sponge. I know every ounce of my being knows I need thee. Yeah. Blessed is they who know great blessings are they who have saturated themselves in every part of their life that they are in spiritual need. For God's kingdom belongs to you. Everything in the kingdom of God belongs to you. Hallelujah. I pray like I need him. I worship like I need him. I'm faithful like I need him. Blessed is an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that does not depend on the outward circumstances for happiness. Those who are blessed have inner lives that are rightly aligned. The root idea is approval. When we bless God, we are approving and praising him. When he blesses us, he is expressing approval on us. How much do you crave God clapping for you? Do you want his smile more than you want self-centered aspirations? Do you desire his applause more than you do the approval of your friends? If you want God's blessing more than anything else, you can have it. But first, you must want to please him above everything else. How badly do I want his blessing? 
How badly do I want his presence? Can you say amen? Am I boring y'all this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God is talking to us concerning this. And he's saying the blessedness of possessing nothing. The blessedness of, not ha- of understanding I don't have it. Before the Lord God made man upon the earth. Listen to what I'm to talk to you concerning it. Amen. Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustainingness and his delight. God created all of this before he created man. For what? To sustain him and for his delight. He created all of this. Everything that you and I see for our sustenance. Our delight. He created all that we could enjoy it and we could be sustained by it. In the Genesis account of the creation, these are all called, watch what he calls them in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, things. Everybody say things. They were made for man's uses. Things. The land, the fruit. The animals, all of it, everything in earth, everything that was in earth before we even found that it was in earth, the oil, everything out of that black abyss covered by, amen, the black abyss. When, When God stood on nothing and started saying, let there be. And there was out of that black abyss of this ball called earth, came everything that we have need of for our sustenance and our delight. But he called them things. They were made for your uses, but they were not meant always to be external to the man and subservient to the him. In the deep heart of man is a shrine where none but God is worthy to come. In the center of my heart, my soul, my mind is a shrine that only he deserves to sit upon in my life. Within man was God, and without man was a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. That perfect place in man was God. Outside man was everything else. Inside man was God, worthy to sit at the center of my heart, worthy to sit at the center of my life, worthy to be. Outside him was a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. And Satan slithered himself right up in the middle of that and started to point at what we did not have. You see that tree he don't want you to touch or he don't want you to eat of? Look what you're missing. But look what I got. Thousands of blessings and treasure. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. What? Post have been blessings. What post have been treasures now have become the ruin of the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his own central shrine in my heart. 
we forced him out of his own throne room of our lives and things were allowed to enter into that shrine. Within the human heart, things have taken over. The home taken over. Companionship taken over. It was never supposed to be the shrine of my heart. It was a blessing on the outside. It was never supposed to be the shrine that sits or the center of my life that sits on the throne of my heart, but we made it that. We made his blessings. The children, never supposed to be the shrine of my heart, but the benefits of my life, the fruit of my life. Can you shout amen? But they've taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts because God is no longer crowned there. But in their moral dust, stubborn, aggressive User fight among themselves for the first place on the throne. Things fight. This is not a mere metaphor, but an accurate analysis of our real spiritual trouble. There is within the human heart a tough, fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, 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 always possessing. Always having to go get. Always having to fight and bring it. It was never meant for you to go fight and bring that to you. God living here. Center of the life. Everything comes. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things are yours. It was never intended Man was never intended to have to go fight for it, to have to work for it, to have to go out and grab it and bring it in. They were blessing to us. Possession now has taken over in our need and desire to possess more, 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 more. We can't get enough. If I could just get this, I'd be secure, but you're still not secure. If I could just get this, I'd have peace, but you still don't have peace. If I can just obtain this, I'd be all right. If I can just get to this status in life, and if I can just get married, if I could just get this, if I could just have children, if I could just get to this point in my life, in my job, if I could just get this, possess, 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 possession, grab, fight, pull, I'll have peace, I'll have joy, I'll be satisfied. But I'm still not satisfied. One secretary broke into her, not broke into, she just walked into, but she kind of abruptly come in and because they needed the CEO of the office upstate. He had arrived and he walked in and he was broken and his head was on his desk and he was crying and she broke into the room kind of like and caught him in that state. That's what I mean, I broke into she said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? He said, yes, I'm fine. She said, sir, do you need anything? He said, ma'am, I told her, called her name. He said, I'm fine. She said, what's wrong? He said, you see outside there? Five Rolls Royces in my garage. I got this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. He said, I have arrived at the pinnacle of my life. 
He said, but I still can't get away from my dear old mama's prayers. I can't get away from mommy's prayers. She prayed for me as a child. I can't get away. It's missing. I got all this and thought, I don't need God. I don't need your church. I don't need your God. I don't need nothing you've got. And now I've arrived and I've got this and I've got that and I've got this. And I'm sitting at the pinnacle of my life. But he wasn't happy. He was miserable. You watch, you watch the entertainment industry. They get it. You watch, you watch the sports entertainment energy entertainment. They, they, they get it. They get what life is. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Amen. We got 18-year-olds that ain't even graduated high school yet that are valued at $120,000. You can see it on their, on their, on their uh, 247 profiles. Their suggested worth right now that, that colleges are telling them through this new stuff that they're doing. 18-year-olds, $120,000 worth of value to play football. And then the colleges are fighting over them. And then we wonder why they got the mentality of entitlement. I got so tickled at a college coach a few days ago when whoever he was trying to get in the transfer portal, he said, I'd like to know what y'all are offering. said, the other colleges are offering six to $8,000 a month. I've got three dogs and a girlfriend I've got to take care of. And the college coach said, well, you can sell your three dogs. And I don't know what you're going to do about the girl. But if you come into play here, will we bless you? You better believe it. But if you've got to have no other, in other words, they're all, that's why they're leaving going to the NFL. I have it. There's some of you sitting right here in this building. If I could just get out, if I can just get old enough, if I can just get on my own, if I can do it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to be an, an observer. You need to be an observer. You need to be smart. You need to be an observer and watch those that go out that then come back in because when they got out there, it wasn't what they thought it was. When they got out there and they indulged, they wouldn't want they thought. The prodigal son said, give me what is mine. And when he got what is his, he went out and spent it on wild, riotous living. And at the end of it, he had nothing, 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 nothing. When the money was gone, the friends was gone. When the possession was gone, and he got it, got it, got it. Drink it, have it, gotta have it. Drink it to the full, whatever it is you want. Amen. Are you understanding? enemy when it was all over with I still need thee I still need thee I still need thee August the 30th 1989 two boys knelt down in an altar at the same night two boys got gloriously saved Within a week or so, two boys filled with the Spirit of God. Within a few weeks of themselves, they're called to preach. Within a few weeks, traveled all over the southeast preaching revivals at 14 and 17. Paul and Silas. Revivals in the biggest churches in the fellowship. They preached in a little church in Georgia that run probably the largest crowd at that time. 
of any Pentecostal church known. On a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, little youth service. And the power of God fell like a rushing mighty wind until it filled the house. And kids were being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the, it was time to start the main service. And some of the elders said, take them youngins in the back. Let them keep praying. We're going to start church. Well, they took us to the back. But about that time, God didn't just feel the youngins. He started feeling some of the adults that were praying for the youngins. And next thing you know, the youngins, the, they were done running in. The power of God's falling to the, all of a sudden now it's in the Sunday school rooms. They're laid out in the Sunday school rooms. They're laid out down the hallways. Amen. And now the whole entire sanctuary of adults is in revival. And heaven's coming down. Amen. And it was way after we started about 5 o'clock. It was way after midnight on into the morning before we ever got to leave the even leave the Sunday school rooms or the sanctuary. Still talked about to this day. From a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old preaching revival. Just preaching in a service. Heaven came down. God moved. God worked. And then we went to start out in full-time ministry. We're both going to college. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go full-time in ministry. I said, God, I have two scholarships that will take me all the way through school. I won't have to pay anything. And he said, I want you to preach my gospel. Me and my best friend at this time, I'm talking about me and him, he looked at me and said, Greg, I don't know if I can live like that. And I looked at the Lord right over here at EOCC, and I can show you where I was standing. I can take you to the spot. And I lifted my hands up, and I said, I can't eat. I can't sleep. What do you want from me? I'm doing my best to serve you and doing my best to give you all I have. What else do you want from me? I can't eat. I can't sleep. And I throwed my hands up, and I said, what is it you desire? He said, I want you to preach my gospel. I said, God, I'm, I said, okay. And I threw my hands up and said, yes to God. And when I did, I said to him, I made a deal with him. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. If I do this, I don't want to go preach two weekends and then come home and go to work in a factory and work day and night to have a family. Because I've seen so many of my preacher friends do that. I said, if I'm going to have to do that, I want a college degree. I want to be able to choose the life that I want as far as financial stability. But he wouldn't let me eat or sleep. It made me miserable. And I said, okay, what do you want? What are you saying? He said, I want you to preach my gospel. And I said, Lord, that was, I had two weekend schedules, all I had. And the rest was history. When I went, I never stopped. I was booked two years in advance. If you wanted me for revival at Refuge, I would have had to tell you I will be here in 2026. You couldn't get me the next week or two weeks from then or two months from then. I could not tell you I can come next February. It would be February 2026 if you tried to book me back then. I'm not bragging on that. I'm just telling you God's things. My friend as close as we were, said, I cannot live like that in constant dependency. I will do what I need to do. He did. We lead two totally different lifestyles today. He has nothing to show 
for his life. I have everything to show for it. What are you trying to say? Things. He is, he is a good man. I'm not saying anything against him. And he would tell you this. The need. I need thee. Possessions don't satisfy. There's no peace. This is not a mere metaphor. It covets things with a deep, fierce passion. This human fallen nature craves it. Things. Craves it. We got, we got, we got a drug industry that could show you that even deeper levels. But I'm going to tell you, you can look at them and mock fun of them and mock them and do what you want to at them and what they need, but you have your own thing. You have your own thing that you can't breathe without. You have your own thing you can't grasp without. You, 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 you got to have it. Covets it. The, proton, the pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old uh, Adam, nature can man, the old Adam man, better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. Me, mine, mine, it's mine, it's mine. And they start very little. My toy. It's mine. Cason's newfound love for chocolate. I know everybody thinks we're crazy on Facebook last night because his birthday cake was a Reese cup. His first birthday, we didn't know he was autistic, so we spent money on one of those cakes for him to tear into, to which he cried and went, eh. So now a little Reese cup with a candle in it made him happy so Facebook's going why isn't people giving him a Reese cup for a birthday cake that's awful why don't they buy that baby a cake he won't eat it he would have ran from it to be honest with you his newfound love for chocolate anything that's chocolate chocolate you know I left and I stuck because I can't have it now if I want me a piece I gotta hide it so my recliner, my little basket they gave me back a while back, I slid it over in there. And Sissy sent me a picture and said, somebody found your stash. I got him the other night because it's a snicker ice cream. He ain't never ate, he won't eat ice cream. And he said, chocolate, Daddy. I said, yep, it's good too. And he took a big bite of that Snickers ice cream. I don't know if y'all have ever had one of them. You don't need to start because they're too addictive. I think I got to have a Caden said, Daddy, you don't have to have that. Just at least you're going to get me now. Find me some cottage cheese that tastes like that, baby. <laughs> she almost got me there with a the ranch. She got a homemade ranch that tastes like ranch, but it's cottage cheese blended up, and it tasted pretty good. He took a bite of that ice cream Snickers, and when he did, he, he liked the first bite of his texture, of the taste of the chocolate, but when that ice cream hit him, he went, went to shaking and running. <laughs> cold daddy, cold daddy, cold daddy. I said, I know it's good, ain't it? 
need. Like that desire is mine. You pull out anything that's in the lines of it. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Nobody had to teach him that. It's the Adam nature. It's mine. Mine. This is mine. This is mine. Possessed. Anybody hear me today? It's that Adam nature, that me and mine, my and mine and is, is, is better than, and than a whole book of theology concerning the human nature. And it starts very little. They are verbal symptoms of our deep disease. The roots of our hearts have grown down. Listen to what I've been saying. I'm getting ready to close. This is what you got to hear right here. The roots of our hearts have grown down into things. The roots of our hearts have grown down into things. And we dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die. We dare not pull up one rootlet lest we die because our roots are in things. Things have become so necessary to us, a development never originally intended by God's design. God's gifts now take the place of God. And the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. God for his things. What was supposed to be blessings have become our lives. So we happy if we are married. We happy if we have kids. We happy if we have a job. We happy if we have money. We happy if we have food on the table. And what was supposed to be the treasures and the blessings have become the sinner. Our Lord referred, come on, CJ, get ready. Our Lord referred to this tyranny of things when he said this to his disciples. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life he found that for me. For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Did you know that was in the Bible? Red letter. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. For whosoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Breaking this truth into fragments for our better understanding, it would seem that there is within each of us an enemy which we tolerate at our peril. Jesus called it life and self, or as we would say, the self-life. Its chief characteristics is its possessiveness. The words gain and profit suggest this. 
to allow this enemy to live is in the end to lose everything. To repudiate it, to let go of it, to turn it loose and give it up all for Christ's sake is to lose nothing at last but to preserve everything unto life eternal. And possibly also a hint is given here as to the only effective way to destroy this foe. It is by the cross. Let him take up his own cross and follow me. And he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Next verse. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Can we put that in the Amplified, please? And he said to all, if any person wills to come after me and let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests, refuse and give up himself. That's the definition. Pastor, I'm struggling and battling. Go back to that, sissy. I'm struggling, battling. I come this morning to hear a word from God while I'm giving it to you. If you want your emotions stirred in entertainment, go watch a show. Better than that, if you don't want to spend no money, turn your TV on and watch The Voice or AFG or AGT. America's Got Talent or something. Be entertained and be emotionally stirred. Watch a drama. Be emotionally stirred. It ain't no different. Watch a Hallmark Marvie and get stirred. It's all emotion. But if you come to hear the word of life, I've got it for you today. Now I'm going to read it to you from the scripture, not just what I say. And he said to all, if any man wills to come after me, if you want to be saved, if you want to be my disciple, how many knows this is not the altar call being given across the nation today? It's going to be, say these words after me. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe I have sinned. I need Jesus. And when everybody gets through quoting, they turn the lights on. Everybody leaves, gets a cup of coffee, and goes home. They want you in for an hour and 20 minutes because they got another service starting when it's over. No lingering in the altar, no, none of that. Things. Got to have more time so I can enjoy things. Here's this altar call. If any man wills to come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself. Say it out loud with me. You ready? Say it out loud. Disowns himself. Forgets himself. Lose sight of himself. In his own interest, refuses himself and gives up himself and takes up his cross daily and follows me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Confirm wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. For whoever would preserve his life 
and save it will lose and destroy it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, he will preserve it and save it from the penalty of eternal death. It's simple. If you can give it up, you can have it all. But if you go after it all, you'll lose it. I gave up. And God gave back. I can see y'all. You're there. Chris Wilkerson reminded me Friday night, he said, Brother Greg, I hate to admit this, but when I was a young boy, I had a crush on Sister Jessie. I said, I understand. <laughs> and he reminded me that all the boys used to say, how did you get her? I used it at her. I got married, boy. I say, you give it to God. Look what God will give you. But all the boys were like, man, Brother Greg, how'd you get her? We was young, just got married. But it wasn't easy to give up the want, the have to, the possession, to not know. Every time I'd walk up to a pretty girl, I'd be like thinking, you know, every day I thought it was it. My pastor's wife, I, I wanted to choke her. At some point, I'd come in from evangelizing. She said, how you doing, baby? I said, I'm all right. She said, remember, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I said, but I'm ready for it to happen now. It's lonely on that road. She said, seek ye first. But what got really bad is I'd be like, this is it. This is her. I'm going to see a pretty girl walk in. I'm shaking hands. I said, whoa. I walk up, shake her hand. I was too close to the Lord. Because I'd woke up and he'd say, eh. She ain't it. Literally. I'd fill a check and say, she ain't it. And I literally go, Why? I'd walk off and go, why? why? Do you see her? You made her. She's beautiful. Why not her? Some of them are married today in, in ministries and stuff like that, and I see them on my Facebook, and all of a sudden I see the lifestyle and directions they went, and I realized that the life that God had for me, none of them would have fit it. I could have married any of them and been a little successful. I could have married any of them and have some type of fulfillment in ministry. But I wouldn't have where I'm at today in the fullness of the potential had I went other directions. If you lose your life, you find. I guess I'm in youth camp mode and preaching to young people right now. You know, If you lose your life, you find it. If you'll give it up, he'll give it all back to you. 
You may feel you squandered it all away if you'll give it up. He'll, he'll, he says, give me, give it to me. Give me everything. Give me everything and watch what I do. Don't you leave a peek. He, he even wants the toilet bowl brush you. No, y'all don't look at me like that. You know what the toilet bowl brush you is? You ever been to, you got one beside your toilet at the house? It's the brush that's in the little thing that your wife or your mama uses to scrub underneath there and scrub it off. And puts it back. Most don't wash it. Put it back. I don't care how much they wash it. You still don't want it on you, do you? God says, give it to me, even the toilet bow brush part of your life. Give it up. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Give it to me and watch what I do. If I will give up my pride, give up my possession. That's the Adam nature. Again, we can look at people who's got to have drugs and alcohol and pornography and perversion and point our fingers, but there's things in our lives that pride and possession and the human nature has got title entitlements that are hold of our lives that are just as bad as people's desire for drugs and alcohol. If you can give it up, you can have it all. I'm finished. The weary traveler come through. I preached this years ago, and it just come back to my mind. And I had an old whale up here. Somebody reminded me the other day. I had an old whale. Is at Tommy Bates' church, and that's when that boy got saved. Matt Robert called me. Robert called me. And he said, you remember preaching such and such? I got a boy that had went with him somewhere. He said, I was a, the boy said, I was a 16-year-old kid, and Brother Greg preached that. And he, and he said something else, so it made me think. I had an old whale sitting up on the, on the stage at Pastor Tommy's. And the weary traveler, this, this, this story is about saving for the next generation. But the story got me this way. The weary traveler is in the desert, and he has nothing to drink, and he's parched, and he's starving, thirsting to death. And all of a sudden, the weary traveler stumbles up on a, on a, a, a shed of a building that's a whale, and he runs in to find out that there's no water he, he sees the whale, and he starts to pump, and there's nothing. It's dry. It's rusted. And some old whales where you pump like this. And he looks at it, and it's dry, and it's dusty, and he's desperate, and he can't see it. And he looks up, and there on top shelf, amen, big, you, you would probably be able to illustrate that stuff because you, you, amen, might know more what I'm talking about with that, but they had a jug of water sitting up there on the top, rusted, and Dirt on top of the cap was on it. It's like a milk jug of water. And he went, oh, thirsty. And he reached and grabbed it. And when he did, there's a note on it. And he takes it down. The note says, use this, a little water in it. Use this water to prime the pump. When you're finished, fill it back up for the next weary traveler. Because if you didn't leave a little enough water to prime the pump, the pump won't push water. So you have to take what water's left, you pour it into the well to get it wet, and you're cranking it. And when you start dripping that water on it, pouring that water, it gets it wet so it'll push and prime. And after you do it for a while, all of a sudden, 
what's on the bottom and that whale starts coming to the top and it starts gushing out water. Well, now he has a dilemma. Do I drink this little jug of water or do I put it in this old whale? Do I drink this water or do I put it in the whale? Do I drink? I'm going to just drink it because I'm thirsty. I have a dire need right now. Give it to me right now. I can't, I can't go another minute or an hour without a drink of water. And, he said, and, he's, and he's wrestling. Do this or give it to the whale. Do this or pour it into this whale. If, if, if I do this it's, and it doesn't work, if this doesn't work, I am going to die of thirst. Somewhere in your life you come to that place. Do I give it up for this? Or do I drink it all up? That jug of water represents your life. Do I drink it all up or do I pour it in this? And you know what he did? Hey Amen. Look in your Bible how the Bible says the drink offering. All the drink offering was is they took that offering, that water. It was a drink offering and they poured it out. Amen. You went and got it and brought it and you poured it out. Amen. Don't even, amen. It looks useless. He says, give it to me. Amen. That weary traveler looks at it and he says, I'm going to give it a shot. And so he starts pouring it into that well and he's priming it. Pushing down, getting him good and wet, and he's wanting to just lick the water. And about that time, the last drop, nothing's coming out yet. That little last stream, he went to to to, to lick it. Hey man, the last drop drops into that whale. Nothing's coming out, and he kept pushing in frustration. He's pushing, and then all of a sudden, a drop come out of that old whale, and then another drop then another drop, then another stream, and then a little stream, and then another, then more, and more, and more till it started gushing out. And the next thing you know, water is coming out like a hydrant, just shooting water out everywhere because it worked, and water's going everywhere, and it's all over the shed, and it's getting the walls wet, the floor is soaking wet, the ground's wet. Amen. He's just splashing in it. He just lays in it, starts splashing and throwing it up. Amen. Putting it on his face, and he's getting water in his jugs that he had with him and he's getting water in all his containers and he's putting it on his app. Are you with me? He's just having a blast, just splashing all in the water that the whale provided. And he goes to leave. Hey man, gets all this stuff on there and he remembers, I got to fill that jug up. So he filled the jug up to put it back on the shelf for the next weary traveler. So he fills the jug back up and sets it up on the shelf and he starts to walk out. But when he does, he said, you know what? Amen. I need to tell, encourage somebody. So he come back and he wrote on that little note, P.S. Believe me, it works. Praise God. Believe me, it works. You have a decisions in our lives. Amen. Pastor, amen. Do I, what do I do? Do I drink my life? Amen. Do I drink my life? Do I just drink my life or do I pour it into this old well? Do I just take it all in and this is all I got? And when I get done, I'll just die. Or do I give it to this old well? Do I give it to this old well? Hallelujah. I give it to this old well. 14 years old, I gave it to the whale. 18 years old, I gave it to the whale. There were other moments in my life I had to give it to the whale. But I'm saying to you, after 30 some, 34 years of serving the Lord, hallelujah, 48 years of being alive, it works. How many say, I'm ready to be delivered? 
from things. I'm ready to be delivered from things. I need thee, oh God. This is where I've been preaching to you for weeks. From Revelation chapter 3, I have need of nothing. But yet I'm wretched and poor and miserable. I have need of thee. How many stand all over this building with your heart and arms lifted up? No matter where you're from. Amen. Stand with me this morning. You're all.